Well, I have a uh, PowerPoint for our, ser- for our message this morning, and it's sitting up here in my computer because I forgot to hook it up this morning, with everything else going on, so uh, you just have to look at me. That's all you get to look at this morning, so I know, I know. But it, it, also, means, it also means you have to follow extra, <laughs> Cletus is focusing in, um, it also means you have to pay extra attention to the scriptures because I was going to have a bunch of them up on the screen for you to be able to read along with me. But, uh, but that's at the end of the message. Yeah. Good. All right. So we have been in a series talking about the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. And the Holy Spirit uh, is, is at work along with the Father and along with Jesus Christ in every aspect of our salvation, every aspect of our transformation, the work He's doing to make us more like Christ, um, and every aspect of our ministry as we serve others in the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is involved and active in every stage of our journey, uh, powerfully working in us. And uh, one, of the, one of the passages I wanted to start with this morning is from Romans 8, verses eight, uh, 10 to 11. And it says, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, right? How many know our bodies get older? They get creaky, right? Not creepy, creaky. Maybe creepy too, I don't know. They begin to wear down. We know that none of us gets out of this gig alive, right? Right? Our bodies are subject to death because of sin. But the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. He's at work in us, giving us life. Kind of like what Paul says in in 2 Corinthians uh, 4 where he says, Outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly... Right? He strengthens us every day, right? Um, <clears throat> and, and so it says, so if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit that lives in you. Right? So there's a couple things at work here. There's There's resurrection power at work to give us strength to live out our lives for Christ every day, but he'll also give life to our mortal body on the last day when we are raised from the dead, right? So there's a resurrection life at work in us now and a resurrection life that's prepared for us in the future. You follow me? And so the new life in Christ that we can know now is the work of that resurrection starting in us now, beginning in us now. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Now, what is the new creation? We're told in in, uh number of places through scripture. Um, We're told in Isaiah 66, God says, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We're told in Revelation 22, uh, 21, God says, 
uh, I, I, that he will, he will create a new heaven and a new earth. That's the new creation. But Paul is saying that the new creation has already begun in us. When we come to Christ and we become born again, born anew, we become a new creation. The new creation has already begun in us. Resurrection life has already begun in us. Romans 6, verses 4 and 5. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So in baptism, it's this, this symbol of what has happened on the inside of us, that we, are, we die, when we come to Christ, we die and are raised to life. There's a death and a resurrection that happens when we come to Christ. We die to sin, we die to our old ways, we die to our old life, and we are born into a new way of living. Amen? Amen. So first, first point this morning, I got two points. The message is not pointless this week like it was last week. Two points. Resurrection is everything. Resurrection is everything. The resurrection of Jesus is not just an interesting myth that we cling to because it's a more interesting end to the story of our Savior's life. You know, there's a lot of movies, right, where, where at the end, you know, you think somebody died and then all of a sudden, oh, they're not dead, right? And it's just this, this plot twist. The resurrection of Jesus is not just a plot twist, folks. It's not just a, 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 a story mechanism. It's also not just a teaching metaphor Telling us, ah, you can't keep a good man down. But in fact, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ on the Sunday morning following his death is central to the Christian faith. It is everything. It is central to the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, there is no point to the Christian faith. We might as well just all go home. Thanks for the pancakes. Peace out. Right? The Apostle Paul did a, a thought experiment in 1 Corinthians 15. A thought experiment. It's like, well, well what if there is no resurrection of the dead? What if Christ was not raised? What, what would that mean. And here's, here's how he wrote his thought experiment. If there is no resurrection of the dead, this is, sorry, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 13 to 20, for those who are taking notes. Um, see y'all taking notes so furiously. All right, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 13 to 20. If there is if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, 
our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are above above all people to be most pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, he says, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You know, I find that the, the cluelessness of the disciples on that Sunday morning. The cluelessness about his resurrection that we see in the Gospels speaks to how unnatural and unexpected the bodily resurrection of Jesus was. And it also speaks to how authentic their belief was that they had experienced his resurrection. It took them completely by surprise. The unsuspecting women were going to the tomb that morning to apply embalming spices to the dead body of their teacher as per the Jewish burial custom. They obviously did not expect to find a risen Savior. And they first encountered an angelic messenger who told them, this is Luke 24, verses 5 to 12. He said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man, quote, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words, it says. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, says, got up, ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and then he went away, wondering to himself what might have happened. Right? Clueless. I mean, you and I would be too, but clueless. But the reality of Jesus' resurrection is so much more than just a comeback story. As we read in the passage from Paul in 1 Corinthians, remember the thought experiment? As we read in that passage, if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is useless 
We are at best deceived and at worst deceivers for saying that he's risen from the dead. We are still in our sins and our faith is useless. The dead in Christ are lost and we have no hope of resurrection ourselves. But when Paul says, but Christ has indeed been raised, that means our faith is not useless. We are not still in our sins. The dead in Christ are not lost. And we are not deceived, nor are we deceivers when we declare the resurrection of Jesus. And we are not to be pitied because we do have resurrection hope in this world and in the world to come. The resurrection is everything. The second point this morning is simply from death, from death to life. That is our journey. That is, our, that is the work God is doing in our lives. Now, in our faith journey, in our walk with Him, from death to life. And I think it, it happens in three, three ways and three stages. It happens the moment we say yes to Jesus. The moment we put our faith in Christ. It begins. We are born by resurrection power. We are born again. And as we walk through this life and through this journey, at every point where we recognize the death of sin still trying to pull us like a gravitational force to pull us earthward instead of heavenward, and we recognize it and we repent of it and we set our eyes on things above where Christ is seated, then that resurrection power gets applied to our lives as we walk this out. And then one day, when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will be raised first. And us who are still alive will be caught up with them in the air, transformed in the twinkling of an eye, and made into something new. Amen? Amen? From death to life. Here's a quote uh, from, from eva- 21st century evangelist and revivalist Leonard Ravenhill. Jesus did not come into the world to make bad men good. He came into the world to make dead men live. I'm going to read that again. Jesus did not come into the world to make bad men good. He came into the world to make dead men live. Here's where I wish I had the scriptures up here for you, for you to see them. But Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Lean in, listen close. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live 
when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Right? Very similar passage in Colossians 2, verses 12 and 13. The New Living Translation says this. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. These two passages in Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2 tell us that our primary problem is not that we are bad. We are. But our primary problem is not that we are bad, but that we can do nothing about it because we are dead. We are dead in our sin. We've been so affected by the poison of sin in our lives that before we come to Christ, we are incapable of responding to the goodness and the love of God. So all we can do, even in our efforts to do good, all we can do is continue to spread the death of sin's poison to others. So the passage we read in Ephesians 2 says, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. That, that Greek word there is, is, is actually in which you used to walk. We, before Christ, we are the walking dead. And Paul says, that's, that's all of us were that. We, we've got no place to point at someone else and judge or condemn. That's all of us without Christ. Right? Incapable doing anything about it. You were dead, Colossians says, because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Both scriptures say say you were dead, and both of them say, but God made you alive with Christ. You were dead, and then all of a sudden you were alive. You were dead, and then you were alive. No, notice, notice the past tense. He made you alive. I mean, yes, he's making you alive, and yes, someday he will fully make you alive. 
but there is a completed action that God took on your behalf when you came to Christ. He made you alive. Brought from death into life. In fact, Jesus' own words in John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And then John writes in his, in his first epistle, John 1, 3, verse 14. Sorry, 1 John 3, verse 14. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And so the scripture that we started with this morning, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. It is the power of the life-giving spirit of God that is able to bring resurrection life to you. And he does it tens of thousands of times every day around the world. Every time a person believes in Jesus Christ and receives forgiveness and freedom and hope, they have experienced the resurrection power of the Spirit of God in their lives. This is the story of so many of us here today. I knew without a doubt when I was seven years old, I knew without a doubt that God was real. Because I watched the resurrection life of Jesus come into our home and transform my parents and transform our home. And I saw my parents go from death to life. One day our home was one day, one way, and the next day our home was a different place. The transforming work of the resurrection power of God at work in our family. I'm not saying it was perfect after that by any means. My parents still had bad days. They still lost their temper and often for good reason. Um, but they were different and our home was different and everyone knew that Jesus did that. Pam's lined up a couple of you to just say a couple words about your own story of the resurrection work of Christ in your life. Linda, I'm going to start with you. I told you two questions, okay? First question, the very first time that you encountered Jesus, what was the resurrection, what was resurrection life like in that moment? I had complete peace from the moment I accepted Jesus. We go through a lot of trials and tribulation in life, 
but he gives us this peace that surpasses all understanding, and he never left me one minute since then. Well, that kind of overlaps with the second question. So what does resurrection life look like now as you walk it out? Well, before that, we have a fear of death while we're not saved. And when we come to Christ, the fear of death is gone because I know where I'm going. So he gives us that peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you. Good, good. Cletus. So that first time that you encountered Jesus, resurrection life, what happened for you? What did that look like for you? What change happened there? Well, uh, there was a lot of change. Uh, uh, it's the belief, like I believed. I believe more in Jesus because I did know nothing about the Bible. Mm -hmm. But it's the peace mm -hmm. and hope, and that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you've told me before, the death to life change that happened yes. in your life was miraculous. Some of the things that Jesus set you free from. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. there was a lot of... There was a lot of things that Jesus did for me, and I could not believe it. Yeah. Seven times he, I came close to half an inch to my life, mm. and I got it back. So today, now, every day, walking it out, what does a resurrection life look for you every day? It looks like it's peace mm. to me. Mm -hmm. For me, it's peace. To have belief in Jesus, uh, resurrection, you know. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Paul. Stand up. You haven't met Paul yet. This is Paul. Hi. So, Paul, a couple questions. Hi, Paul. <laughs> um, when you first met Jesus, I know that you had said that there was a lot of things in your life that, um, that were almost like you were dead. And that encountering Jesus brought you life. So tell us a short version of that. Short version. <laughs> um, I believe it was Christmas Eve, 1988, and my brother's friend told me I already knew a little bit about Jesus and what God, like God, and 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 what Jesus had done for me. But it never, it never became real until that evening. Uh, one of my brother's friends told me again what Jesus did for me, what He did at the cross. And that evening, I realized that I was dead in my sins. There was no, there's no way out of it. And then something changed. Something changed. I accepted it. I received it. And I became aware in the following few months that there was a new life. There was a, there was a transformation. Some, it's like another dimension had opened up where I became aware of... of um, I became aware if I would sin, I was like, wow, like I know this isn't right. And it just changed. So it sounds like you surrendered your life to the Lord before you even really totally understood what you were doing. Yeah. yeah. And then as the Lord brought transformation life, you came to understand things differently. So there was, yeah. there was a turning point, though. There was oh, a moment absolutely. where death to life. So my next question, what does that resurrection life look like now? living it out, walking it out day to day? I think the biggest difference is that I can live my life knowing that I'm not on my own, mm -hmm. that 
I can lean on God and I can ask him, what about this? What about that? What should I do in this situation? God, can you help me with that? And there's a knowing, there's a knowing that he's there. And strangely enough, you're asking me this this morning, and just a week ago, I was in bed laying sick, and I was thinking, wow. Just remembering all the things that God did in my life. And it's like God was right there telling me, remember that? I did that. Remember this? I did that. And it was on. This went on for a while, and I was like, wow. Like, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And it left me just with a, I was very thankful. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. You know, God did all these things for me. And and he's there for real. It's not just in my head or, or there. there's a, it's, it's different. I cannot imagine living my life not knowing God. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, guys. Amen. And we could do that. We could, we could stay here all day. And I know that we could, we could listen to dozens of stories of how Jesus' resurrection life has transformed so many of us, brought us from death to life. I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come and join us as we, I've got one more scripture I want to share with you. They're going to come and get, uh, get in place. And why don't, why don't you stand as well? If you, if you can stand and listen at the same time. <clears throat> Nobody's ears are on the bottom of their feet. You're good. Everybody can stand and listen. Ephesians 1, uh, starting in verse 18. This is a prayer that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He's praying for, praying for revelation to come to the people he's writing to. I, wa I want the Spirit of God to reveal some things to you. That's what he's saying. Pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, all the things that are the inheritance. We, we have an inheritance in Christ. Those of us who have, who have made him our Savior and Lord, somebody has to die in order for us to have an inheritance. Jesus died, rose again, that we might have an inheritance. And if you want to go back and read the first chapter of Ephesians, Paul lists some amazing things that are our inheritance in Christ. And then he says, and I want you to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty power, the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So the same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead is 100% available to you. 
That's hard to wrap our heads around, isn't it? Hard to understand. But God is saying that, that His work in our lives is not, not some small little thing that He's doing, but God actually has given us access to resurrection power. Sometimes accessing that resurrection power is about surrendering our lives in a fresh way. Folks, surrender is not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. And every time we surrender, we, we walk through a little death. We say no to me and yes to him. No to me, yes to him. That unlocks... Because in that moment, I'm having another, another rebirth. I'm having another moment where, where I'm dying to me and the resurrection life of Jesus gets poured out afresh in my life. So thank God for those of us who have, who have come to know Him as our Savior, for those of us who know the life-giving power of the Spirit in our lives? Thank God. But I want to ask those of you who are here this morning, those of you who are watching online, I want to ask you, do do you know the life-giving power of the Spirit of God in you? Or do you feel the emptiness of spiritual death? Do you relate to those who, who talk about being made alive or do you feel like you relate more to the walking dead? Just kind of going through life without purpose, without understanding of what God is, is up to in this world. I want to tell you today, you can know resurrection life today. You can know forgiveness and freedom and hope, you can indeed be born again and have a, another chance, a fresh start to live a life of love and peace in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's available to every one of us today. So I want to pray and lead us in a, in a prayer of surrender, prayer of thanksgiving, And then if you would like, if you need, if you need prayer, if you need, if you need someone to come alongside you and t- talk with you about what we've been talking about this morning, about that new life that's available, we'd love a chance to, to talk with you and, and encourage you this morning. So Father, I thank you for your love, your goodness, your mercy. Thank you for God, the, the, the new life that we have in Christ. Thank you for the resurrection life of Jesus that the Spirit of God has, has opened up to us. Thank you that Jesus died and rose again and that His resurrection is not, um, is not just 
for our one-time salvation is not just so we can get to heaven, but it's, it's so that we can have a new kind of life. So Father, today we surrender our hearts to you. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the thousandth time, but we surrender our hearts to you. We receive from you forgiveness and hope and life and peace. And we look forward to the day when the fullness of our resurrection life will be realized when we are raised from the dead and we live forever in your presence. We are thankful, God, today for the power of the resurrection at work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for that inspiring word this morning. We really appreciate our pastor, don't we? Amen. And thank you for coming to Evangel this morning. We're glad that you're here. And this resurrected Christ truly is among us, and he is ready to minister and continue to minister to your needs. If you have a special need today, we would welcome you to come, and our Breakthrough Ministry team will minister and pray for you. If you have to go at this time, God bless you, and you have yourself a great day in the Lord.